0: Hello, and welcome to Coffee Talk with Crystal. I am Crystal Grafton Combs, host of this podcast and international president of Alpha Omicron Pi Fraternity. Originally started in 2019, Coffee Talk is a personal project designed to connect with the women of Alpha Omicron Pi and our greater community of sisters and friends. Here, we will talk about life leadership, sisterhood, and so much more. So thank you for listening, and now let's get to the next episode. This episode features my friend and sister, Linda Grandolfo, an initiated member of our new IOTA chapter at Northern Illinois University. Linda is a past executive board member, a past member of the AOPI Foundation Board, and was the 2021 winner of the Barbara Dogs Hunt Award. We talked about sisterhood, service, and what it meant to her to receive this prestigious award. Linda Grandolfo,
1: welcome to the podcast. Good morning, how are you today? I am well, how are you? I am good, I'm really good, and I'm very excited to participate in this.
0: Well, I'm glad that you are. I feel like we have a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. As you know, we always start at the beginning, so please tell me your AOPI story.
1: My AOPI story goes back over 50 years. So I went through recruitment in the spring of 1970 at Northern Illinois University at a time when it was not very fashionable to join a sorority. So I was the only one of all of my friends to join a sorority. Um, and it was the best, probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, the friends that i have that I made then and in the years after that, are still my really good friends. I um, had a wonderful collegiate experience. And as I share with a lot of collegians, we did not have a lot of alum support. But we had a great time as collegians. And life as a collegiate member in the 70s was, uh, was different. It was a lot of parties and a lot of really good times. We lived in a very fun sorority house. And we all had a really, <laughs> really good time. Um, um, and those women, who, are my, who were my friends then, and up until I graduated, are still, 50 years later, my best friends.
0: OK, so, so Linda, wait one minute. I love this about the friendship, and we need to get to that. But at this point, I feel like the people listening to this podcast are picturing like women sliding down the banisters of stairs <laughs> <No>. in like <laughs> late night parties and and like wild wild things so when you say it was a really fun place to be tell me a little bit about what fun it meant for you. it
1: wasn't me. it thanks crystal it wasn't wild parties it was just <laughs> a lot of um a lot of friendships, a lot of laughing, a lot of fun things we did. Um, we just had, no, there was, cause there was no alcohol in our house. So there was, we had to be very mindful of that, but we just really enjoyed our friendships together.
0: This is much more in line with the Linda I know today. So it makes me
1: feel a little better. <laughs> uh-uh. No, we laughed a lot. We, we just had a great friendship together and we all lived in the same house and we just had a really good time. Those women started getting together when the, from the time we graduated every like six to eight weeks. And as we married and had kids, we continued to get together. So, the group, some of the people moved away, but that same group of people is still getting together as friends all of these years later. And since May of 2020, we have Zoomed every other week together.
0: Oh, my goodness. Every other week? Every other week. Wow. Now, how many women are we talking about?
1: So, we're probably talking a total right now of about seven or eight. Oh, my goodness that's a commitment i love it Mm -hmm. and we even found one that we couldn't find before because last year she sent a christmas card to one of the people in the group and we were able to reconnect with her and now she's on our zoom she lives in new jersey
0: oh my goodness that's great So it's been a few years since then, you just mentioned that you have now surpassed 50 years of membership in our organization. Tell me a little bit about what your experience as an alumna has been.
1: This is always a big surprise to people when I speak with them. Because when I finished school, I went to grad school. I was teaching. I got married. I had a child. I got multiple calls from the local alum chapter, but never joined. And a lot of the reason for that is the alumni leaders, when I was a collegiate, were not always the most supportive. And I didn't have a great picture as a young alumni of what alumni members were. But finally I did, nine years out, I finally joined uh, my local alum chapter and met some really great people and started getting involved. We started a great fundraising program, which I ran, and then I moved and where I moved, there was just a brand new alumni chapter. So I did join that alum chapter up where I live now and remain a member of that alum chapter. So I stayed with that alum chapter and a couple of times when my son was young, um, I had been like approached, would you like to do something else? Would you like to do a next step in, in the alumni world? And I always had to say no because I was working full time And I had my son, and there was no way I could give any more time. And then as he got older, more into high school, that opportunity came back again. And then I was able to get involved with Collegiate Chapters as what we used to call a regional director, and then as a network director. And then um, I got to do this kind of special project helping a couple of our Collegiate Chapters that needed some extra help. So did that for a little while and then returned again as a network director. And those chapters at second network director time were all Southern chapters. So that was a great education because I learned a lot. I really learned a lot about Southern culture and expectations. And then from there, I received um, a kind of a request would you consider joining the executive board? So that was in 2000, very early 2005. And I, my response was no, because there would be, To me, those people on the executive board were somewhere up in, you know, um, some high land. (laughs) So there would be like, no way would I ever even ever consider that. But I did at that point in 2005 and began a term on the executive board and served until 2011 and then was elected to the foundation board in 2011. So, and then kind of since then, um, has served as a foundation ambassador and also became locally very involved in Panhellenic. So I'm now in my second term as alum Panhellenic president in this area. That's kind of the long journey.
0: You have done a lot. There are two things about what you have said that I would like to highlight. The first is that it's okay to step away when your life takes you in a different direction, professionally, personally, with parenthood, with all of the things that may not at a given time allow you to give what may be asked for from a time standpoint or, or anything else back to AOPI. Because when that time comes and you can, AOPI is still here and can welcome you back into that form of service. I think Mm -hmm. that's an amazing takeaway. The other thing that I love about what you have shared is that in AOPI, sometimes we have these sort of idealistic thoughts about what it means to serve in a certain space. It's almost as if the women that serve in various parts of our organization are are untouchable, and that's not at all true. And I feel like we've worked really hard to be very interactive and engaged and for people to know that our organization has evolved in a way that wherever you are, AOPI can meet you there. This summer, you were honored with the Barbara Dogs Hunt Award. And Mrs. Hunt is an icon, not only in our fraternity, but also to our foundation. And I wonder what that experience was like for you.
1: So Barbara Hunt is probably the first AOPI alum that I met at a regional convention uh, at that stature. So I think when I did meet her in the early 90s, She was most likely on the executive board at that time. And we quickly became really good friends. And we have, over the years, um, remained really, really good friends. And I've always cherished her involvement. When my husband passed away, she was incredibly supportive, calling, making sure I was okay. And of course, when her husband became very ill, I really tried to give her a similar level of support. So I've always cherished her and cherished her friendship for all of these years. When I came on the foundation board, there were people who felt I didn't belong there, to be really honest with you, Crystal. And, and there were many, many more people who felt differently. And I, I, was somehow able at that time to to talk with people and say, "Hey, what are your thoughts about a scholarship?" Even meeting with an 85 year old lady who was um, didn't have a car, wasn't really dressed well, and she had become an 1897 member, and um, and we sat and we talked about where her money was going and this and that, and and I'm showing her some papers, and she's like, "Scholarship." I think I could do a scholarship. And I said, well, it is $25,000 and you can you can pay it out over five years, but it's $25,000. And she looked at me and she said, honey, I have millions. So she has a scholarship in her name for a woman who studies architecture and is still an 1897 member. And it just goes to show you, you just never know what will happen when you ask. So when I look at the journey that I have taken over all these years and how fortunate I have been in meeting so many wonderful people, starting with meeting Barbara Hunt, starting with serving on the foundation board and starting with helping to to procure more scholarships and more funds for the organization. It's still, like, to me, like, as you said, I've won other awards, won, you know, a Rose Award, Alumni Women of Leadership Award. I really thought that the day that I won the Helen St. Clair Mullen Award was it. Like, how could anything, like, standing in Chicago at what I called my party, because I called that convention my party, (laughs) uh, it was my party and um I didn't think anything could surpass that and um and then sitting in my dining room (laughs) as that award was given um I I don't know I like I walk through the dining room and look at that that beautiful vase and I still it means so much. It's hard to put into words how much that means. And I've always said, and I've always said for years, um, to be honored by your peers is the greatest honor you could possibly have. And I've been beyond blessed in my AOPI career to have been honored by my peers.
0: So I'd love that you have shared The time and space where you were for each of these named awards, obviously, one of our Founders Awards, was at your hometown of Chicago, where we were hosting convention that year. And to your point, what an amazing time to be recognized. Obviously, our virtual convention 2021 was very different. You may not have been surrounded by nearly a thousand of your sisters in your hometown at a banquet venue. You were in your home, in your living room with a sister, but I can hear in your voice how equally meaningful that moment was, and I love that for you. So Linda, I think sometimes the idea of fundraising really makes people hesitate. Tell me what has made you so good at that part of being a foundation board member and now an ambassador and, and just offering that continued support.
1: I had, I had donated to the AOPI Foundation at, a, at smaller amounts for many years, not a great deal of money. And as I think a lot of people don't realize for many years, it was very challenging for me to donate at all. So it's only really within the last, maybe five or six years that I am able to donate more. Through my entire AOPi journey as an alumni member, as a network director, as an executive board member, nobody had ever asked. Nobody had ever asked me to donate to the foundation. So when I was elected to the foundation board, I started asking, we have, maybe falsely thought until for many years that our members did not have the capacity to give or the willingness to give. I don't believe that's true. I believe that if we have the right message and we have the right information and we ask the right way that they will give. I agree. Now,
0: the foundation is not your only passion, nor is AOPI. You are also very involved with our philanthropy, the Arthritis Foundation. How did you get engaged with them?
1: In the maybe early 2000s, before I came onto the executive board, somehow I decided one day to see if there was anything locally with the Arthritis Foundation. I figured there's got to be something. So I had just called on the phone And that's when we called people. We didn't like (laughs) text anybody and we didn't even have email. So we called people on the phone. And I. What year was that? We did not have email. We did have email, but it wasn't our one method of communication. So it could have been like 2003. Okay. So early in that timeframe, then, because I
0: didn't have my first email until the mid 90s. So yeah, okay. so we did
1: have email. I had email, but but we didn't hesitate. Like it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to send them an email and see if they send an answer. If we wanted information, we would pick up the phone and not this phone. <laughs> the one no connected other. to the wall. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> the one to the wall. We would pick up the phone and call. So I picked up the phone and called the Arthritis Foundation in Chicago, spoke with a lovely lady named Mary and told her that I am an AOP. and um, AOPI obviously we had been, the Arthritis Foundation had been their philanthropic cause for quite some time. And she was like, of course we need help. So I met her at an event and then, shortly thereafter was the Chicago Walk to Cure Arthritis. So I came there and kind of helped her and helped around with that and then slowly started to volunteer and there was only one walk at that time in Chicago. A couple years later we had a very large walk team and there were other Arthritis Foundation events where I would volunteer and I got to meet a lot of the people locally in the Arthritis Foundation and also get some of our AOPIs engaged in the walk at that time. in the late '90s, early 2000, there wasn't a jingle bell run here. Somehow, it had taken a hiatus. So we had the walk, and then the same lady, Mary, had asked. She said, "Would you like to help us? We're having a freedom of movement." Gala. Would you like to come and help us? We need people to help. And I said, Oh, sure. So, you know, drove downtown, all dressed up. And I have to tell you, Crystal, when I walked in the first time and saw that event and realized that event was going to raise money for arthritis, and we were raising money for arthritis, this light bulb turned on. And like, this is really what it means. And then on a personal note, my family and Peter's family has suffered extensively for many, many years with this disease. And um, it is a silent disease. As I say, you can look just beautiful, fabulous, healthy, yet you have significant arthritis. So um, I've seen my family members suffer and Peter's family members suffer. And so it did remain a cause, it still does a cause close to my heart. And then moving forward to 2005, they asked me to join their board as an ex-officio member. They had asked me to join my, the board. The board at that time, and still done, had a substantial give and get. And I said, you know, I would love to, but I cannot give that much money. I don't have that capacity. So I stay as um, I was an ex-officio member on the board for several years and then eventually moved on to the board position. And then after I retired in 2014, came on as board chair. I finished that after four years. But that kind of led to a trajectory in that respect to provide resources and help at the national level. So I still serve on my local board. And then I serve on two, at least two national committees. So that's been a passion. It's been, um, it's been an interesting journey. The since the pandemic, it's been hard. It's been a very hard thing to do, but I think we're moving in a really good direction.
0: I agree. So, Linda, we have now talked about your collegiate experience, the wild and raucous days in your new IOTA chapter house. We've talked about your alumni experience. Please tell me if you have any advice, what you would share with our sisters in AOPI.
1: Enjoy every step of it. Enjoy the breaks, enjoy your sisters. Always remember, first of all, that should you move somewhere else in the country, there's gonna be some AOPI's there to help you. I personally i'm not quite sure i would have made it through two major personal crises if it was not for my aopi sisters so it's important to remember that those sisters are always there for you no matter where they are and now it's really easy to get in touch with them so you have lots of opportunities and you know if you move somewhere you know, you're finding your, you're in a new place to live, your new job, maybe you've recently have a new, um, a new relationship, but there's most likely, I would say whether it's remote or whether it's in real life, um, there might be some AOPIs in the area that you can connect with. So AOPI, AOPI is not going anywhere. They're always going to be here. And, just always remember how much ALPI is there for you and loves you.
0: I love everything about this. Linda, thank you for joining me today for this conversation and for sharing your story. And for everyone out there listening, as always, thank you. And until next time, stay safe and be well. Mm-hmm.